0: From high sticking to breaking down the middle. Here's the Lowdown
1: with Low Tide on Sports 1440.
0: Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com.
1: Welcome to the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Today's show, Oilers win a perplexing game played in hockey's Bermuda Triangle. What do I mean by that? Well, Zach Hyman scores goals that don't count. The defensive structure and the offensive prowess disappear in Windy City. I don't get it. Great anthem, weird officiating. And the league has really got to figure out what's offside and what isn't. Because Leon Dreisaitl being across the line last night and Cale McCarr in the playoffs against Edmonton, I'm, I just would like us to have that discussion. Maybe not today. But when you start parsing, and Connor McDavid said it, when you part, start parsing at this level, Really, you can make any call you want and people just have to go. It's like a Magic 8 ball or a Ouija board or the Bermuda Triangle. You can reach us at sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. Text or call us one 401 1440 Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. We're brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. Yeah, baby. Going to be a lot of fun. Bruce McCurdy, Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal, will join us. Charlie O'Connor from Philly Sports. We're going to get down and dirty with that trade and what happened after the trade with Mr. O'Connor. And we'll have rumors. Not the Fleetwood Mac album, but rumors, NHL style, coming up at 1220 today. All right. With that, we say a hearty hello to Mr. Typewriter. You know, uh, one of my favorite restaurants in town is called Amore Pasta. And they have a dish called, I think, the Chicago Typewriter. And whenever I whenever I see that, I'm going to order, uh, I go, that's Declan. If I were ever going to have lunch with you, I probably would do it there and make you order the Chicago Typewriter.
2: So you're telling me there's a chance we have lunch together? Not one chance okay. in hell. But if we did.
1: Well, right. well I mean, I, I met your grand—I didn't meet your grandfather-in-law— But with the beard, I might. If you brought him, I probably would buy.
2: Well, hold on, hold on. Grandfather in law, I think, implies that it would be my girlfriend's grandfather. This was a step
1: grandfather. Oh, see, I got Step-mom's it wrong. Step mom's father. See, I don't really listen.
2: No, that's fine. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to have a vested
1: interest. It's, it's like okay. I just your teacher, Mrs. There. Arnold. I never get that right either. <laughs> it's true. I would. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You got. You got a lot of learning to do. You're young in the industry. Well, You'll get it. You know. I mean, words—they're just playthings to me. How is your like? Is your life going okay now that college football is over? Do you just stare at a wall?
2: Yeah. It's. It's pretty. It's always pretty depressing when when the college football season
1: ends for me. Um, how do you how do you track the new people, like the new freshmen in each league or team? Do you just wait to see them? Uh, no, so I'll,
2: I'll like track them through through rivals. The recruiting, wow, you're that. Oh yeah. wow, so I'll tra- you're I'll track nerd. them through that. No, yeah, I love college you're, football. Wow, you're but- a
1: nerd. I right you now, you know what I'm doing right now? I'm on a January thirty first, nineteen seventy hockey news. I've subscribed yeah. to it, and I'm going through every damn issue from nineteen sixty seven through to like today. So we're both nerds totally
2: well i'll tell you like i i've always loved college football i've always kept up with it pretty heavily but there came a point when people just expected me to be the college football guy I so i had to start following recruiting even more than i did and that's when i started looking at, at rivals and 24 7 and scouts and espn things like that so yeah i keep base
1: on it when when i was young probably your age i said you know Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to figure out who the Eagles should draft and then who might come to the CFL. So I, I made a, an effort to watch the college game. And then my eyes would glaze over because, you know, they'd be, a, it's uh, R.V. arvidson has got a chance at the eyes. But, oh, no, there's his knee totally gone. He's going to be a plumber tomorrow. Nothing wrong with being a plumber, but he's not going to be a wide receiver. It happens a lot in the college
2: it game. It happens a lot in the college game. You yeah. had 40 million. I think I said this yesterday, so I'm sounding like a broken record already. Totally. We're only, on, we're only on Wednesday, but you got 40 million people watching the game, and these kids are going to be selling cars next year. Nothing yeah. wrong
1: with that, of course, but it's just it's quite the culture change for well, them. We have ripped on plumbers. and Oh, by the way. My
2: sorry. cousin's a plumber, and he's one of my favorite people on Well, Earth.
1: he's also the, one of the richest people you know. Yes, so, way more money than me. I, I would just have a little bit of advice on driving today. Lights on, please. And the other thing is, when you are pulling up to a four-way stop or a, you know, any kind of traffic circle or, you know, roundabout or even just, you know, at a light, when you don't stop, you're supposed to stop like there's a, there's a rolling stop you can do when you're turning right. But when you are driving and it doesn't look like you're stopping, it causes hesitation for the guy going through the roundabout and then it delays you. Not not me, but you. So and I know it's early in the, the season, and I'm not mad about it at all, but if we could just be a little more, remember when you were taking driving school and they talked about defensive driving, I think that we, uh, as a city are more into the offensive driving than the we're like the Oilers. We don't play defense as well as maybe we should.
2: I had to do a lot of extra lessons in driving school. My parents were not all too happy about paying for all those extras, but I wasn't a great driver back then. So.
1: Well, because you were aggressive. You're male. Yes. Males, we're all the same. I, I I, went to Thorsby so I could get my driver's license. I pulled out of the IGA parking lot. I almost hit a guy, and the, uh, the driver uh, uh, assessor, he goes, okay, you can just drive right back into the parking lot again. And then he talked to me about, he said, you, you are a combination of aggressive and no confidence.
2: Tide, I don't want to get away from our driving discussion, but a text came in that I really want to read because okay. I really
1: want you, you to get, get on it. You want to get it back on the sports? Okay. No, fine. no, just because oh, this that's one. Oh, fine. I You've think... been told by management to get me back. No, no, no. I, get no. It.
2: I, I think you'll have something to say, and I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts. This okay. one comes from Mitchell. I can let you read it, or I can go ahead. And...
1: You go ahead. All I'm right. drinking coffee.
2: Coming in from Mitchell. The play was offside. You cannot gain control of the puck after your skates precede the puck into the zone. This is nothing like the Makar play, parentheses, which was onside. People who think anything otherwise seriously show their lack of on-ice hockey knowledge. The play was reviewed correctly, just like every single offside in the history of the review has been.
1: Yeah, okay, that's great. Thanks so much. The, the, the McCar play was offside. The, the sidle play, if it's offside, that's fine what you've done is you've taken 15 minutes out of the game. And actually, McCurdy, who we'll talk to today, had a great tweet about, you know, when you're, why don't you just trust the linemen, linesmen? They've been doing it for years. They're going to make mistakes. But the game has become so parsed that it's taken a lot away from the game. And offside is just like an insane part of the game. It truly is.
2: Can, Can I direct you to part two of Mitchell's text? Sure. McDavid is turning into a bit of a whiner whined when the Canucks smoked the Oilers and the goalie had to leave because he was sick, Wine that the review took long even though the review got the correct call.
1: Yeah, I'm not going if, to... If you think Connor McDavid's a minor, I would encourage you to walk some of the early games of, say, Wayne Gretzky or Sidney Crosby. Uh, I, I'm not buying that at all. You know, McDavid, it, There there was a period of time after he was named captain that I worried a little bit about his leadership because he was so young. But I think, he's, I think he's a brilliant leader, and I just absolutely reject the idea that he's a whiner. That I'm not even going to get close to that because it's a non-issue.
2: So what this maybe boils down to is I didn't pick the two best texts to read.
1: No, it's fine. Okay. But what, what, I, what I think is that people get the, – they, they go, well, and they defend the, the league or they defend the officials. The, I think the officials at some level would welcome going back to just calling offside. And I think that the McCarr play was a, a group of officials who got themselves in a bit of trouble, and then they just decided that. And it was a big part. And, and, and somebody reminded me today that when the orders took a penalty on that play, Colorado scored again. It was a big part of the series. Last night was an ugly win. And we're all human, so we can understand, I think, human nature, but the orders have been on a roll. Since Chris Knobloch uh, started as the head coach, this team, they had some issues, but they have closed the gap in a heartbeat. Uh, They could catch L.A. and Vegas. They could end up in second place by the end of the year in the Pacific. And we were talking about dead in the water and maybe a lottery pick not that long ago. Well, early to mid-November. And here we are. So let's review. I'm not coming down hot on the orders, but when you watch the last two games, they're starting to let a little bit of those bad habits trickle in. like. Leon Dreisidel, I love, but he's starting to make some dangerous passes again. I love Darnell Nurse, but he did the, the, uh, Snow Angel, which is what, uh, our friend Declan did in the pool for many years. And it doesn't work as a hockey play. It's not, it's a low percentage play. The owners are, are back to doing those bad habits again. They, they, maybe they scared themselves, themselves straight, but this is why losses occur even with great teams. And I think that the challenge for the coaching staff. Is to get them reset, okay? Because you can, you know, uh, Knobloch talked about this not long ago. You can you bitch and moan and bitch and moan and talk and talk and talk, but there is a part of the brain that goes, "Everything's okay. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good now. We're good. We're good." And and it's it's a. I worked in sales for years, and one of the chief things that a sales manager does is just remind people to stay hungry, and that's. I think what happens in sports too, you know. Don't read your press clippings, and that's a hard thing to do. But Evan Bouchard, love Evan Bouchard. He's having a hell of a year, starting to get a little relaxed. It's it's human nature. By the way, did you see Matthias Ekholm's past economy, David, last night? Oh my gentle lord, that was a headman pass. My God, I was I was just like what. That was, he is a very fine player. Best trade, uh, I wrote about it yesterday. Best trade Ken Hollins made. Uh, Stuart Skinner, people say, let us never, ever, ever have a goalie steal a game. Well, I think that Stuart Skinner was in certainly a candidate for that last night. He stopped some big pucks. Chicago has no talent at all, and they lost by a goal last night. I love the top two lines right now. I wrote about it. This is my blog today. They're scoring at a high rate for 60. Every 10 minutes, the McDavid line scores at 5-on-5. Five five. And Leon's line is doing better right now than that, although they haven't played together very much. If you could find, I wrote about this today too, if you could find a center who's fast and and really responsible defensively put between Sam Gagne and Evander Kane, you might have three outscoring lines by the time you hit. I wonder if they could do that. We'll talk to Mr. O'Connor about that. Um, oh, yeah, I want to talk about this. Phil Kemp got called up, and I was trying to remember in my mind an example of a player who got called up and then was on the ice to play a game and then got pulled back. And Chad Hins, or Hines, I'm not really sure how to pronounce his last name, in the early aughts, Jarrett Stoll was not feeling well, and so they had Chad Hins go out for the skate, and then Stoll said, no, I'm fine, I can play. I think it was flu, but I can't remember. And that's a guy who never played in the National Hockey League but got on the ice for a pregame skate and was that close to making it. Those are the guys that I care about the most. The Larry Mavity family is what I call them. And I hope that, I hope Kemp plays, but maybe not. I wrote today in The Athletic, I hope you read it, because it was a lot of fun to do, and I, it jogged my memory a lot. Probably McCurdy's the only guy on planet Earth who would go, yes, I remember that, yes, I remember that. But the perfect Oilers season... Might be upon us because it would have to contain everything from the elevator shaft start, that's to honor the decade of darkness, incredible scoring performances to honor Gretzky and McDavid and all of that. A goalie who can steal games, which Grant Fear did in game one of the 1984 final, Cam Talbot did in 2017, Mike Smith had some moments recently, and I think that Stuart Skinner could do that, as capable of that. An astute midseason trade in 84, it was Kevin McClelland. And then a Stanley Cup, which is the ultimate. And then, if you're going to be completely loyal to the Edmonton Oilers and their lore and their history, a request for a trade by a star player. That would be the ultimate Oilers season. And it is within their grasp. So it was a lot of fun to do. I hope you read read it today. All right. Yeah, I'm not buying that McDavid's a whiner. Like, I... I remember, I'll tell you a story, it's in the Zosky book, but it always struck me because um, Wayne Gretzky was a great player when he arrived in the NHL, and he was a great player every game he ever played for the Oilers. He slid a little bit after that, but really he played at an insane level forever. So when Gretzky came into the NHL, they had this weird rule that if there was a fight on the ice, everybody not involved in the first fight had to skate to the bench, And so Gretzky's like in game Whatever, two or three That happens And he skates to the bench And nobody else does Everybody else, you know Picks a guy, chooses sides do You've been doing in hockey for 100 years Pushing, shoving, belting There's three fights now And it doesn't work But Gretzky's the guy who did it And everybody was like Oh, here he is, Gretzky He's not even Look, this is the problem with this guy When you're Connor McDavid no matter what you do, no matter what you do, there's going to be people who call it out. And there are going to be people who say it's wrong for two reasons. Number one, I think that people get tired of Connor McDavid making their team look silly. And number two, there is jealousy in the world. And a lot of people are just like, damn it, this guy can't be that good. I remember one time early on in his career in Edmonton, Connor McDavid went out for dinner with his mom and dad. And there was somebody who took a video of some individual say, hey, be better. You guys suck. Should you be out now? Shouldn't you be in bed? And it's like it's the ultimate stupid move. It's the ultimate dink move, but people do that even to Connor McDavid. And the reason is because he's Connor McDavid. So when you say Connor McDavid is a whiner, I reject it outright. Because if you give air and flight to that kind of idea, people will pick up on it just because they don't like Connor McDavid. You know, when Wayne Gretzky was at his peak, there were Edmonton Oilers fans who were just sick of him. Just they were sick of hearing about him. It's it's just the part of the human condition. I'm sure that people thought that way about you know Mickey Mantle or Joe DiMaggio or whoever the Red Sox had. I'm teasing. Dead Williams. Because when somebody's excellent year after year after year, you hear about him a lot. Him a lot. And Connor McDavid is beyond excellent year after year after year. All right, I've said my piece. It is twelve sixteen. This is the lowdown. I don't know why, but I'm in a very energetic mood today. We could probably do sparring today if we wanted to do. Do
2: you want to do that?
1: No, I don't. I don't want to be beaten up. I'm tired of that. Um, You're listening to The Lowdown powered by Wolf GMC Buick. On the way, we are going to talk rumors. There's a few things I want to talk about, one of which is what Ken Holland might do based on his own past. That's next. This is The Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440.
0: Isn't it beautiful?
1: It's the lowdown on Sports 1440 driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Bare naked two virgins hand in hand and in hand in, hand in love. He said bare naked, two virgins. Is that what he said?
2: Bare naked as two virgins hand in hand and hand in hand in love. Mm. That is one of my that is actually my favorite bare naked ladies song. Really? Oh yeah. What? I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with some personal info. You know the curtain's been up the past little while, but
1: <laughs> I listened
2: to that song four times in a row in the shower last night. Yeah, because <laughs> I just love that song, and I was so, like, I gotta
1: play it oh, today. Hold on here. How long is the song? It's like two two forty 240, 2.45. So that's like three minutes. Uh times four. That's twelve. Yeah. Did you? Was that the extent of your shower? Or yeah, that
2: was it. Okay. I, I listened to it as soon as I got in, and I stopped it as soon as I got out.
1: Yeah, it's a good song. Great song. You know, I, I always wondered why. Fans were so angry that John Lennon grew up and got married. Though, I mean, I Paul McCartney did too, and just always seemed to me to be weird to blame Yoko Ono for everything. You know, I.
2: Well, as the song goes, I don't like all these people slagging her for breaking up the Beatles.
1: Well, is that what he says in the song? He says it. And he says well, if then I would I love that song,
2: if I was John and you were Yoko, I would gladly give up musical genius.
1: Look. It, 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 I never understood that about the, the Beatles got older and they were, you want four twenty seven year old guys who are musicians to, to like turn their back on their, you know, whatever their, their drive is telling them to do. But That's what you do in life. You find your partner. It never made any sense to me. So good for the, the, uh, bare naked ladies, all Canadian, right?
2: All Canadian, well, yes. There you go. And low tide, if I don't mind, breaking news coming down in the uh, NFL out of Tom Pelissero, Pete Carroll is out as the Whoa. coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Yes.
1: <gasps> that was my reaction as well. Wow. So let's go back and review Super Bowl, then not Super Bowl, then quarterback out of town, and now Pete Carroll out of town.
2: Yes. A complete... New direction for the Seattle Seahawks. So if Seahawks. I'm the
1: Seahawks, I'm going after... Mike Vrabel. Yeah. yeah.
2: You're very high on Mike Vrabel, and I completely understand that. I just don't get Pete Carroll being out of it I don't think any, he was any sort of problem in Seattle. I don't like him, and okay. I'll tell
1: you why. It has nothing to do with anything, and it's not a qualified opinion. I just don't like his his hijinks on the sideline. It gets old. I loved Vic, Dick Vermeil, and he had the same thing, but I loved Vic, Dick Vermeil. He was an Eagles coach. <laughs> And even when he went to St. Louis, I still loved him because it was Dick Ramiel. But Carroll drove me nuts. He's got that college rah rah thing going.
2: He does have a lot of that college rah rah thing. I just think he was coaching. Co coaching? Co, co- about, coaching, co- co- coaching <laughs> above his capabilities. I mean, Geno Smith, on a way, had a nice year last year, was a Pro Bowl selection. But Geno Smith is still Geno Smith. Geno Smith is not a Josh Allen. A so Patrick do you Mahomes.
1: are you saying to me right now, in the year of our Lord 2024, that Pete Carroll coached so well? That when the team came back to its normalness, that cost him his job. That happened to Buck Rogers with the yeah, Expos. No,
2: no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I just don't get it. Like, they were almost a playoff team this year with a roster that I don't think a lot of people expected to make the world. Like, listen, maybe they just think we're, we're going to start all over. We're going to rebuild from the ground up. We're going to go completely knock everything down and start things over. But I just think even if you want to have a transitional period for a couple of years, he'd be a guy you would want in that organization to do that. Well, they're,
1: they're changing uh, the Pacific Northwest. Love Seattle, one of my favorite cities. I still like Vancouver better, but Seattle's gorgeous. Okay, I want to talk about hockey rumors and about the Edmonton Oilers. And I'm going to begin here. If you look at the five-on-five five, top 20 points per 60 this year, There are really only one, realistically, one player that that has been in the rumors, uh, has been talked about as an option for the trade deadline, and it's Jake Gensel, or Gensel, whatever Hansel Gretel. And Ken Holland's history is that he likes to trade for names; he likes to sign names but he likes to trade for them too. Matias Ekholm, name. And, I mean, he's been a brilliant addition. If you're looking at what the Edmonton Oilers need, probably a forward. Um, we'll see about Dylan Holloway at center. I think Ryan McLeod will eventually go back to third line center. So it could be up the spine. It could be McDavid, Dreisaitl, McLeod, Holloway. And then you've got Derek Ryan, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, Zach Hyman can play center. You've got a few, maybe you add a center, but if it's Jake Gensel, then that's a hell of a name. But if you go down the list of players who might be available, like might be available, this is from teams that that are, are not going anywhere. Then he's pretty high. I mean, I've heard Daniel Sprong mentioned, but Sprong is a very special. He is a pure offensive guy. And, You'd like Connor Brown to be a guy who could deliver more offense because the Oilers need a more of a two-way type. By the way, I thought Brown played okay last night. I don't know about anybody else's opinion. And he didn't score, but I thought he played pretty well. The The other thing to think about when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers is if, if they're going to go get a guy, and I've got Gensel as my guy in the top 20, but If they're going to get a famous guy, then I think they are going to package Roberg and the pick and a lot of things. And chances are, the player they get back is going to have some term. And then we're talking about where are the hot spots in the National Hockey League? Well, one of them we know is the Ottawa Senators. And the Senators have some really nice players. They do. And they have some players who are signed to contracts that are that are pretty comfortable or at least would be manageable for the owners. People keep mentioning Artem Zub as a possibility to replace Cody Ceci as an example. I don't think Drake Batherson is going anywhere. But he, you know, he's made, he makes less than five mil. Tarasenko's a rain, rental. Everybody else I think is too much. By the way, Ottawa is just not a very good hockey club. I, I know bulletin, 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 but... If you look at their roster, you can find all kinds of players. You go, man, I'd love to see that guy on this team or that team. But they just can't put it all together. You know who they remind me of? The Edmonton Oilers. About 10 years ago. Taylor Hall, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Jordan Eberle, Oscar Kleffbaum was on the way, Justin Schultz, lots of... Devin Dubnik. Lots of good young talent. Couldn't put it all together. And That brings me to something that Craig Conroy said, because I thought he had a very astute conversation with Eric DeHatzik of The Athletic. I'm going to read you what he said, and then I'm going to pontificate, because that's kind of the show. He said, there's a balance between short and long-term. You don't know what you're going to get for certain assets that you have or what's to come. Or maybe somebody here wants to re-sign with you. All of those things are still out there. You want to get your young guys in, but you want to put them in an environment with some veteran guys that can show them how the NHL works. Because there's going to be ups and downs with the Connor Zaris, the Martin Pospisels, and the Dustin Wolves. He's spot on exact. And here's, I love that he said that. Now executing it is going to be a problem. And here's why. Because if you're wrong, it costs you a lot. And sometimes you say that and you trade guys off and then you want to add free agents. And they're not coming. And you have to overpay mid-level free agents. We saw that in the summer of 2011 with the Edmonton Oilers. Steve Tambellini said, you know, we need to have get some good veterans in here. And so they went to market with legit money. And they got Cam Barker. They got Eric Belanger, they got Darcy Hortichuk, they got Ben Eager, uh, and they got Corey Power Potterplay, and he was actually the best one of the bunch, and I think he was signed by the AHL GM. It's hard to do because you you need to not rebuild. You need to reload if you're the Calgary Flames. And I'm going to make everybody mad here, and I didn't think they could do it, but you know who has done that is the Vancouver Canucks. And credit where due, I I hammered on this for years, and I mentioned Trevor Linden for years. I said, Linden was right. Why didn't they listen? Well, as it turns out, ownership got the right guys in there, and the Vancouver Canucks are going to run away with the Pacific Division. And they're going to be a very, very hard out for any team that's going to face them. One of the things the Oilers should be trying to do is to avoid Vancouver and Winnipeg in the first round and try to get with Vegas. I think Vegas right now is the weak link, maybe L.A. But they're not going to catch Vancouver. And the Vancouver Canucks are, should be the template for the Calgary Flames. Calgary has some really valuable things. And I don't know that they'll trade. We had Rachel on this week from a vacation spot, by the way. And we, she was talking about, you know, Calgary Amethyst won't make a trade. They have in the past, but her point is well taken. You're, you know, if you're trading to load up the orders for the Stanley Cup, chances are that's going to bite you. But the Flames have some nice things. They really do. And if they decide to go to market with some of those really nice things, like Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, Elias Lindholm, they should be able to get assets. But what they can't do is just get a bunch of first-round picks. Remember when Kevin Lowe made the trade of Chris Pronger? He, he said after the fact, and he did say during the fact, that they really tried to sign Yaroslav Spasich because they needed somebody to give the Pronger minutes to. And they couldn't do it with Ladislav Smeed because he was too young. Smeed was fine NHL defenseman. But at that time, he was very young. I think he played one year in the AHL. And so they got a bunch of pieces, but none of them were established, and it cost the owners. They went into the depths of the decade of darkness because they, they gave up Pronger and Spotcheck and all of those really cool guys who got them to the Stanley Cup in Game 7, and they didn't have a lot left. And they were young, and they got run over. So if you're Calgary and you're giving up all of these guys – Craig Conroy said it absolutely. There's going to be ups and downs with the Zaris, the Pospisils, and the Wolves. So they need to get, when they make these trades, because you're not guaranteed to get these guys in free agency. You're not. So when you make these trades, and they don't, they're don't, they not trying to trade Sean Horkoff and guys who are spent, like Alish Hemsky, who was injured, they've got real players to trade. But if I were them, if I were Craig Conroy... I would be dealing Noah Hannafin for a young Noah Hannafin. And if nobody wants to make that deal, then you absolutely check down at the last minute. Like, do not make the trade, like, a week out. Somebody's got to give you something that you can use and plug and play, a young player. I think it's out there. You know what team I'd love to see out of the deadline? I've never been a fan of them before. But I would love to see the Arizona Coyotes out of the deadline. And they, they've they got players they could trade. They do. And they're young players. They can offload some players and get like a Hannafin or Lindholm. Fascinating trade deadline coming up. I do think the Edmonton owners will go big name shopping. I don't know who it is. Gensel is in the top 20. Maybe he's a the guy they look at. Uh, I know that that you know, uh, there's always a, a a fan preference for gritty guys. Maybe they get one, one there. I I'm very much looking forward to this deadline because I think that I think Daryl Cates has always been all in. I think he's the guy driving around the track with the pedal to the metal, and I think that. Oiler fans appreciate that he spends to the cap I don't know what he said no to you know in terms of adding money but he's pretty much been the kind of owner Edmonton owner fans want as far as spending is concerned Ken Holland has a few months left in his contract we don't know what's going to happen in the summertime but it doesn't sound like he's coming back so he's going to want to you know if you're if you're ever going to push for it this is the time Expect a loud noise at the deadline. And expect a few if you're a Calgary Flames fan. Do you have anything to add, young man?
2: No, I think I'm okay. I think you did, uh, I think you said it well. For your first time ranting like that, it was pretty good.
1: <laughs> when I get really mad, it's usually about baseball. And, and that's why I don't, I, I, talk, I would love to talk about baseball every day, but I can't because I just get so angry. And I don't like to be angry. Angry low tide is not good for anybody. Shocks people, surprises them. They probably drive more carelessly, and we don't need that out there. The only difference between the Oilers and the Canucks, as of right now, are the four games at hand, the three losses the Oilers had against them during their horrible start. I think the Oilers are evenly matched, and I'd like to see them play each other at this point in the season. Well, you'll if things go according to Hoyle, then you'll definitely get a chance in the playoffs. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. And we'll take a break. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick. The corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Joined now by Charlie O'Connor from Philly Sports. Lots going on there. As always, lots of reaction to a trade this week. Cut a goche for Jamie uh, Jamie Drysdale and a second round pick. Uh, Has everything cooled down there or is it still a house on fire in terms of reaction to this trade?
0: I would say that today was the first day it felt like things were a bit back to normal in Philadelphia. Uh, But yeah, this was a, a wild last 20, last 48 hours. I would say, you know, in, in flyers world, Uh, just because the fact that that cutter Gauthier guy who, you know, obviously was the fifth overall pick back in 2022 for the flyers. um, That was one of the best players at the world juniors. These past couple of weeks, he was on the tip of everyone's tongue in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is in the midst of a rebuild, and when you're in the midst of a rebuild, you're paying very close attention to your top prospects. And then, you know, four minutes after puck drop on Monday, one of those top prospects is gone. So, uh, so things have died down a bit since then. I think now the focus in Philadelphia is on Jamie Drysdale, who will be making his debut today. But, uh, but it has been a wild last couple days to be sure.
1: It's it's always interesting. I remember Adam Fox first with Calgary. Uh, and then with Carolina, ended up get, getting moved along, and and you know he ended up playing in New York, and he's a hell of a player. So I I get the angst about it, and and of course there's a lot of reporting uh, since the initial first blush of the deal. Um, I'm always hesitant to to kind of rip these teenagers because they they have you know their priorities. I remember when Eric Lindros was told uh, told the Quebec Nordiques to to you know he wasn't gonna don't draft me, I'm not gonna play there, uh, and it, it became very prolonged uh and as it turned out he ended up in Philadelphia and the the ownership in Quebec became famous for lots of other reasons i'm always hesitant to to maybe make a, an early judgment on this kind of thing and i i also think maybe i'm wrong but i think that the daniel briard made out about as well as one could expect is that fair
0: i think that's fair i think the flyers you know did their best to make the best of a bad situation and and to be clear I I'm I'm very much in favor of you know, players having any rights that they have. I think the, the 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 team player relationship is definitely skewed. if you're talking about power, It's skewed in favor of the team. This is one of the few uh, avenues that players have in terms of real control. If they don't want to sign with their team, they can choose not to and and they can potentially, if they're a college player, they can wait all four years and sign with someone else. I think the the, the part of this, and the hard truth is that we're not really gonna know. The details, unless Cutter Gauthier or someone in Cutter Gauthier's camp, uh, reveals exactly why uh, he did not want to sign with the Philadelphia Flyers. But I think the distinction here and the reason why I would say that at least now the Flyers come off as a bit more sympathetic is the the distinction between the Lindros situation, which obviously the Flyers know very well, at least organizationally, was that Lindros straight up told Quebec that if you draft me, I'm not going to sign with you. And then they drafted him anyway. And it was kind of like, okay, well, he told you. You know, this is sort of what you had to expect. He wasn't lying. The Gauthier situation is different because when the Flyers took him in 2022, he was very, very open about the fact that he was excited to be a Flyer, that he wanted to join the Flyers. It's not like they drafted him without knowing this. What happened in this situation is that at some point, and the time frame has kind of been been pinpointed as, Somewhere between March of 2023 and May of 2023, Gauthier changes mind. Now, to be fair, Gauthier has every right to change his mind, but it is a little bit different in that the Flyers took him under the assumption that he was open to signing and wanted to play for the team. And then, you know, a little less than a year later, he decides he doesn't. And then when the Flyers try to figure out why he doesn't, he basically cuts off all communication. So what will be interesting is if Gauthier does ultimately you know, open up as to why he decided he didn't want to be a Flyer. As long as he and his camp stay mum, though, the way this looks from the outside is that this is a kid who changed his mind and then wasn't willing to tell the team why he changed his mind, which is why I think at least – where we're at now in terms of the information we have, the Flyers probably come off as a little bit more sympathetic.
1: Charlie O'Connor, our guest from Philly Sports. It comes at an interesting time because the Flyers are at a – this is such a great race between the Flyers, Anunders, Devils, Caps, Carolina, Pittsburgh. This is nuts, right? Like this this race is for the, the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really tight, and I think that was – You know, One of the points of frustration on the part of the Flyers' brain trust, I'm talking General Manager Danny Breer, President of Hockey Operations, Keith Jones, um, and then the the other members of the organization that went to Sweden to try to meet with Gauthier at the World Juniors, was that I think all they wanted really, I mean, obviously they wanted him to say, yes, I want to sign with you guys, I want to be a Flyer again, but all they really wanted was an opportunity to kind of make their case. I think it's fair to say that because we sort of pinpointed this time frame of when Gauthier changed his mind to be March to May of last year. That was right around the time the Flyers organization was kind of in turmoil. Chuck Fletcher had been fired. Flyers were breaking in an interim GM in Breer. The the head uh, of the ownership group was retiring and being replaced with somebody brand new. Things were kind of a mess, and I think it's totally understandable for a player like Gauthier, especially if there was – a miscommunication about his contract, which Elliot Freeman reported yesterday. Um, I think it's totally understandable for Gautier to be like, oh, don't know if I want to sign with these guys. This is kind of a mess. And I think what Briere and Jones and the rest of the Flyers wanted to do with Gautier at the World Juniors was basically be like, look at us now. You know, now, yeah, things were a little crazy, you know, last, last March, last May. We get it. But now we're a team that's battling for a playoff spot. We drafted mathe Mitchkoff. You know, we're, we're a stable organization. We're in a big market. You know, let's let, let us try to sell you on the possibility of being a part of this. And Gautier still basically was like, no, I'm not mean with you guys. I've made my decision. And again, fair. But it's worth noting that the Flyers do seem to be riding the ship. You know, they are in the midst of this playoff race. We'll see if they stay in it, obviously. You know, over the last maybe three, four weeks or so, with the exception of a few games, uh, the Flyers do seem to be tailing off a bit. They, they struggled on Monday against the, against the Penguins. They had a, uh, a losing streak uh, after Christmas. So this might be the start of them declining. That said, they've had some really good games in the midst of that, too. They had a really good game last Saturday against the, the Calgary Flames. So it's certainly not over. They're certainly in the mix. Uh, But I do think that that does play into some of the frustration on the Flyers' part is that, you know, we are, uh, at least in their mind, they believe that this is an organization turning the corner, and they wonder if maybe Gautier was holding (coughs) the sins of the past against them.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, that's a very good point. And the other side of it is, uh, I'm getting a ton of text saying, ask him you know when the flyers are going to start unloading players at the deadline or near the deadline and I, like i don't think they they are there yet and i don't think the maybe if the flyers are contenders i don't see them offloading talent uh because that wouldn't make any sense right
0: it's an interesting question because I interviewed Danny Briere back in December. Uh, it was right before they actually won a really impressive game against the Avalanche in Denver, and I asked him, you know, what the plan for the uh, the deadline might be. And he more or less said, "Look, I don't envision a scenario where we're going to be buying. I think that holds. So really, it comes down to whether they sell or whether they hold. And I think there's a way." for them to kind of strategically sell without making it clear that they are just giving up on a playoff spot. So uh, let's look at it this way. Like, do I think they're going to be shopping Travis connecting or or somebody like that, you know, or Cam Atkinson players that, you know, are are veterans that are, are key parts of this? No, no. I think those guys are absolutely safe, but you look at this defense core now. Okay. So obviously you have guys like Travis Sanheim, Cam York. They're not going anywhere. They're 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 pieces for the present and the future. They just traded for Jamie Drysdale. Okay, Sean Walker is a guy where he's been a really important part of this thing right like so far this year. They they got him in a cap dump from LA. However, you look at their situation, Travis Sanheim has excelled on the right side for the Flyers. He's a left-handed shooting defenseman, but he's been fantastic this year as a right-side defenseman. Jamie Drysdale is a, is a right-handed shooting defenseman. They drafted Oliver Bonk last year in the first round. So now you have potentially three right-side defensemen that are, that are here and presumably going to be part of this over the long term. Sean Walker suddenly, and he's, a, he's a, a rental, he's a guy with an expiring contract, suddenly you look at Sean Walker and you say, you know, he's been a huge part of this this year, but if we're not going to re-sign him, and we know that we're not necessarily, even if we make the playoffs, we're not a cup team. We know that. We're probably a a one-and-done club. It probably makes more sense for the long term for us to get as much as we can for Walker, given that he's not part of the future and given the fact that they still – uh, by their own admission, are rebuilding. So I think there are ways for them to strategically move guys like Walker. You know, maybe a guy like Nick Seeler, because they have young guys down in the minors on defense that are that are pushing for spots that are really close to being NHL ready. I think you can move out some guys without necessarily waving the white flag to the locker room.
1: I want to ask you about. Uh, I look at the once a day at least. I look at the five on five points per sixty at Natural Stat Trick. Eliash Pedersen's number one at 316. McDavid number two at 312. Joel Farabee is number three at 3.09 points per 60. And I know he's, you know, he's making five mil, and I know he was a first-round pick. But, I, I and I know that people cover him, and I know that lots have been written about him. But I think he's a guy who, um, maybe not everybody who's an NHL fan knows what a, an incredible run this young man is on.
0: I think he's, He's highly underrated, and I think he's taken a big step forward this year for the Flyers. If you go back through his results pretty much um, since his second year, he's been a strong 5-on-5 scorer for quite a while. Now, this year he's taking a another step forward, but he's been a good goal scorer 5-on-5 for quite a while, this year, he's turning into a good all-around five-on-five player. He's starting to, uh, you know, to push play in the right direction and become a line driver. Um, his playmaking ability has really shown um, over the last month, month and a half. He's setting up a lot of goals with really high difficulty primary assists. So, I think he's a guy where the main reason why he is underrated right now is that. He doesn't. He hasn't produced on the power play pretty much at all, which deflates his overall point production. I don't think Joel Farabee is ever going to be a power play driver. I don't think he has that kind of dynamic offensive skill set. But I do think he can put up points on a power play if he's on a power play with a power play driver. So to me, and I was having a conversation with with somebody yesterday about this. To me, Joel Farabee is the kind of guy where like the year that Matthew Michkov comes over to the flyers and you know, they're obviously looking at him as a guy who's going to supercharge the power play when he shows up like that year, suddenly Joel Farabee's, you know, point production is going to jump from him being a 55 point a year guy to being an 80 point a year guy, just because the power play points are there and suddenly everybody's going to be talking about him when in reality, He's basically the same guy. It's just that now he's on a functioning power play and not the worst in the league. So I think Farabee has taken a real leap this year, is a legitimately really good player, and turning into you know a legitimate core piece for this club. But you might not see him get the, the national attention until this team can finally get a, a functioning power play, and he can get some points in that situation too.
1: Uh, Jamie Drysdale play tonight, and where do you see him playing in terms of, you know, w- w- special teams? How much even strength time?
0: So I did speak with uh, John Tortorella today after well, before Morning Skate. Uh, Jamie Drysdale is in the lineup, so he will be playing tonight against the Montreal Canadiens here in, uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, good question on ice time. It's kind of a wait-and-see approach. Um, they are using seven defensemen tonight, so that does give Tortorella the opportunity to, to limit Drysdale's ice time if he wants. Obviously, he's getting used to a new team, new teammates. Is really an entirely different defensive zone system. The uh, the Anaheim Ducks play a, a man-to-man defense in their own zone. The Flyers play a zone. So he's going to have to uh, to adjust to that. I'm sure that's going to take some time. Um, that said, yesterday at practice, he was paired with Travis Anaheim, and Travis Anaheim has been the Flyers' functional number one this year. So if that holds, you know, Drysdale could get a fair amount of minutes. Even in his very first game, maybe they'll just you know throw him into the fire and see how the kid reacts. But you know, we'll find out in a few hours. He's definitely going to play. And I don't expect him to only get six or seven minutes. I think he's going to easily clear 15. But I think it really just depends on whether he actually ends up with Sanheim or not as to, to whether he's a, a big minutes guy or, or they ease him in a little bit.
1: Charlie O'Connor, thank you for this. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me. All
1: right. Charlie O'Connor from Philly Sports. That's interesting. Uh, very interesting. So he's a right-handed defenseman. Maybe Sean Walker shakes loose, as he had suggested there. And that's a player Edmonton might be interested in. Okay. On the way, we're going to spend a segment next hour talking about the breaking news out of the NFL. Pete Carroll, uh, expected to be out as Seahawks head coach. That's via Adam Schefter and I'm sure others. We'll also talk to Bruce McCurdy next. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Time for an update sports
0: 1440
2: update and for your sports 1440 update brought to you by Tommy Guns home of the ultimate grooming experience the hot towel shaves awesome haircuts and treatments were designed just for you book now at TommyGuns.com Light night in the NHL, just three games on the schedule. The Canadians in Philly, Minnesota in Dallas, and Vegas in Colorado. Chicago Blackhawks star rookie Connor Bedard had surgery to repair his fractured jaw and will be out six to eight weeks. The Maple Leafs have recalled goaltender Ilya Samsonov today, ten days after he cleared waivers and was a, was assigned to the AHL's Toronto Marlies. Samsonov practiced Tuesday with the AHL club but then did not appear in a game with the Marlies. An NFL bombshell is Pete Carroll is out as Seattle Seahawks head coach but is expected to stay on in an advisory role. Ten games in the NBA today including the Toronto Raptors in LA to take on the Clippers. The Raps stay in LA following a 132-131 loss against the Lakers last night, and tip-off for that one is 8-30. Miami Heat coach Eric Spalestra has agreed to an eight-year contract extension worth more than $120 million, the most committed money in North American coaching history. Also in the NBA, the Los Angeles Clippers have signed Kawhi Leonard to a three-year, $152.4 million contract extension. The deal keeps him with the Clippers through the 2026-2027 season and is fully guaranteed. And finally, just one game in the AJHL tonight. It is the Spruce Grove Saints at home hosting the Sherwood Park Crusaders puck drop for that one is at 7 p.m you can get your tickets online at sprucegrovesaints.ca at the door or as always watch online at flowhockey.tv i'm declan kruger this has been a sports 1440 update